Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of Generation Jihad. I'm Tom Jocelyn. I'm here with my longtime colleague, Bill Rojo. Bill? Hey, everyone. How are you? We are senior fellows at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, and we run FTD's Long War Journal. And of course, the longest of the long wars that we cover is the one in Afghanistan, and we're going to return to that this week. Um, you know, Bill and I have some trepidation about talking about Afghanistan because there's so much to say, and yet we're kind of sick of saying it in some ways, right, Bill? I am tired of it. Yeah, I think we're tired of talking about it, of course, because we've made our positions known, but that doesn't mean that it's unimportant to keep, uh, that we shouldn't keep talking about it, or that it's unimportant. We, we have to keep commenting on this because there are current events, there's news. And the news this week, or in recent days, is in late January, um, the new National Security Advisor for President Biden, Jake Sullivan, he made some comments on uh, basically the deal between the United States and the Taliban, which was signed last February, February 29th of 2020. And uh, he, basically, Sullivan uh, outlined what he thought was in the agreement and sort of gave some comments on the way ahead, a way forward. And the first, the three things that Sullivan Bill, I'm going to use this as sort of framing for our podcast sure. this week. So you chime in. I'll, I'll get the three out, and then you can talk about it. You can go to town. So the, the three things that, that Jake talked about, that Mr. Sullivan, the no National Security Advisor, talked about were, first, that there has to be sort of a, a real bona fide and sustainable way that the Taliban will cut ties with terrorist groups, including al-Qaeda. That's the first thing. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but there's some quotes in there. Um, the second thing that Sullivan laid out is that they have to, the Taliban SS have to meaningfully reduce levels of violence and contribute towards ceasefires. That's the second thing he said. And the third thing he said, there has, they have to participate, this being the Taliban, in a real way, not a fake way, in negotiations with the Afghan government. So here's a quote from Sullivan. He says, so what we're doing right now is taking a hard look at the extent to which the Taliban are, in fact, complying with those three conditions and in the context we will make decisions about our force posture and our diplomatic strategy going forward. Now he says that this is the that these are three components of the agreement, according to Sullivan. Now, you know, look, I don't want this is a new administration; they're just coming in, getting briefed up on this, and going going to work on these issues. So he probably hasn't had time to go through the rather terse agreement, <laughs> which we're going to talk about. And he probably hasn't Tom, had time. Can I yeah. interrupt? Really yeah, quick? of course. I know, yeah, I know yeah. we say this all the time. But if you didn't have time to go over a three and it. a third page agreement before taking the job as national security advisor. I know. Because everyone knows that Afghanistan was going to be one of the top immediate issues given the timeline. I'm I mean, trying to be terrible. I'm trying to be terrible here. Because, like, you I know, understand. I mean, the guy's got a lot on his plate to come in a new administration. Yeah, I, There's I, a lot going on. So I, I um, do hear that. But, you know, they, they won the election in early November. But point taken, I mean, it's one of the things we've talked about. And one of my running jokes is that, you know, when you go to rent a car, you sign a much more comprehensive yeah. agreement than the thing that was signed in Doha last year. Um, you know, if you go to buy a kitchen appliances from Home Depot or something, you're going to get probably more extensive paperwork than this. So this paperwork was not exactly. Uh, elaborate right it wasn't it doesn't take a lot to actually wade through it it's kind of and and you know and yet you know you and i've talked about the fact that you know a lot of people commenting or writing about this haven't actually read the agreement yeah right? a lot of journalists I, I can't we talked to and read it i mean you know i can't tell you every time i speak to a journalist tom i say so have you read the agreement i was like all you need is five minutes and no no i just and because they're always repeating the um the talking points from uh zalmi Khalizade and general miller you know, that the Taliban have agreed to cut ties to Al-Qaeda, not in the agreement. The Taliban have agreed to reduce violence, not in the agreement. The, the Taliban have agreed to negotiate with the Afghan government, again, not in the agreement. Um, so I send it to them and they go, oh, so, yeah, I mean, 
it's not it's not a heavy lift to read that agreement. And then people will fall back on, well, there's a secret agreement. All right. Well then if why if those things were so obvious, why are you talking about them in obvious in open? Like if why did it need to be secret if you can talk about them in the open? I mean, just none of this makes sense. And what's we all know right? because they're flacking uh, for to, so for a bad take, agreement. Let's you know? take the three things that Sullivan outlined because the, 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 the one that's the most unambiguous, I, I would say, is the the second one where he says that the Taliban yes. agreed to meaningfully reduce levels of violence and contribute towards ceasefires. Now, the, the English text of the agreement and the, the text agreement was put out by the State Department last February. There's nothing about reducing violence in that no. agreement. Right. Not not anything. Right. There's nothing. I mean, you can keep, you know, even if you don't want to read the three and a third pages or whatever it is. Right. You just, just keyword search on reduce yes, or violence. Right. I mean, you can yeah. find it. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Keyword so, search, reduction, reduce right. or violence. Whatever Neither, iteration none of, of those the words. word reduce you want. You know. Yeah. Right. Now, it's not now, there, folks. Right. Now, they would say you know, some people have intimated or implied that it's in these secret annexes or something like that. Maybe, maybe there is something in those annexes. I don't know. But Tom, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but. That was reviewed by members of Congress, and they, and they that said that no, that it's not in there. Yeah, that's not in there. Right. So, nor I, the break ties with Al Qaeda. Yeah. Well, the nor I think it's a little more, a little, a little more ambiguous. We're going to get into that. But let's yeah, do, absolutely. Let's, let's, do, let's do the uh, let's do the reduction of violence. As far as we could tell, there's nothing in there about a reduction in violence that we can see. And this is where this is why I was trying to be a little charitable with Sullivan. I think he's repeating the points that he heard from the military, like you said, and other officials in Washington, as opposed to really critically examining this actual agreement that was signed, you know? Um, so when we go through it, there's nothing about reduction of violence. Now, Bill, what's happened since February 29th, 2020? Has there been a hint of a reduction of violence in Afghanistan whatsoever by the Taliban? No, you know, and I've seen various numbers, um, but the violence has gone up significantly. Um, I've seen 60%. I've seen it's doubled. I've seen 70%. I've seen very, and I imagine it's based on different periods of time. So you've had more Taliban attacks because they're focusing their efforts against the Afghan military. They're looking to try to take care, take control of territory. And by the way, that's getting far more difficult to track because the Afghan media is having a far more difficult time to do, do its job. And then we've had this concerted campaign of Taliban uh, assassinations against uh, civil society. Lawyers, they killed two female judges in Kabul. Uh, politicians, they're going after journalists, they, um, members of NGOs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, they're, so, you know, the Taliban just saw this. Look, in one of their statements they issued today, the Taliban call it a, um, a termination of uh, occupation agreement. So the agreement they signed with the U.S. had nothing to do with the Taliban, nothing to do with negotiations, reducing violence, cutting ties to al-Qaeda. Um, it had nothing to do with any of those things. To the Taliban, it's this ends the U.S. occupation. And, and so what's the next step when the U.S. occupation ends? The Taliban is going to seek to take control. And they've said this in numerous statements. So this, was, this entire re reduction in violence, and I can't tell you, Every I my, my I seethe every time I hear a government official, they Trump administration officials, DOD officials, Calizade, State Department officials constantly say the Taliban have to to agree, you know, live up to their agreement to reduce violence. Well, there is no agreement to reduce violence. Apparently, there's some back backroom verbal agreements, is what General Miller claims. Sorry, if it's not in the deal, it's not official. The um, and the Taliban are very clear. And the reason the Taliban likes this deal is because it could point to it 
And again, only three and a third pages. I used to say a half page, and then I looked at this real close, and I'm like, it's closer <laughs> to a quarter. And then I'll let me be, let me be kind and call it a third. And the other thing about this agreement is that line in there, Tom, that says the U.S. government, which or the the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which is not recognized by the U.S. How many? I think it's repeated like 11 times in there. So I would say about a half a page of this document is just the U.S. denying that the Taliban is actually the Islamic Emirate of of Afghanistan. So if you block that out, you probably only got two and three quarters of a page to read on. Yeah, it's actually just the U.S. government saying, hey, we know you have insisted on calling yourself the Islamic era of Afghanistan. We, we just can't in this text go along with that, but uh, we can't get, talk you off of it either, you know. Uh, so, you know, basically, yeah, I mean. So there's nothing about reducing violence in the actual agreement that was released to the public. You know, there are reports based on people who have seen the quote-unquote secret annexes that there's nothing in those either along those lines. But the bottom line is, so these three criteria you're going to look at to evaluate the deal, we just evaluated the second one, okay, done. There was no there was no agreement to reduce violence that we can see, and there has been no reduction of violence. So that's number one, out of the way. Number two, um, let's do the, you know, sit down to meet with the, um, well, actually, before we move on, let me just say something about the reduction of violence. If there actually was a, a paragraph or some sort of clause that, that stipulated there was going to be a reduction of violence, you'd have to have metrics to tell to figure out what that is, right? Because it's not it's not a ceasefire, right? Reduction of violence is a weasel way of saying we couldn't get a ceasefire, so we're going to yeah. say there's going to be a reduction of violence, even though there really isn't one. But what does that even mean? Like it's, you're going to dispatch two suicide bombers that week instead of three? Right? I think that was your joke I just stole. You know, yeah. I mean, that's okay. But, I, you know, I appreciate I appreciate that it has longevity. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, you know, are, what does that even mean? You know, and so none of that's, you know, as a New Yorker, you know, who is sort of jaded about business transactions and dealing with people and how you deal with the stuff. And as somebody who used to be an economist who reviewed contracts, that's me. I used to do that as part of my long time ago in, in this professional life. You know, words matter, contracts matter. And when you don't see anything in a contract that has anything to do with what's being claimed is in the contract, that's where you start to get suspicious. And that's the... Yeah. I think if you were going to have a agreement for reduction in violence, it'd be more than two and a third pages. I just – three and a third pages. That's just me. I mean maybe you could devote a page to that, but I suspect it'd be a lot more detailed. Like you said, you know, Tom, like, oh, yeah, well, we'll just try to take over half the districts that we were going to try to take over. We'll kill 10 Afghan security personnel a day instead of 20. Um, you know, that's – it's an absurd – claim by U.S. officials. Um, they've hung on to this. Uh, they need to be held account to this because it's not in the agreement. I do hope the Biden, the Biden administration, you know, comes to realize what this actual agreement is and, and cast it aside, because whether you want to get out of Afghanistan, stay in Afghanistan, whatever it is, this agreement must be discarded because it's garbage. So yeah, I, you got to the conclusion there. That's good. Oh, that's sorry. Good. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Spoiler you know? alert. No, we've already we've already told people that, right? So we <laughs> said that many times. Unfortunately, you know. Uh, so all right, let's skip to the third one before we come back to the Al Qaeda thing. So the third one is that the Taliban would participate in a real way, not a fake way, in negotiations with the Afghan government. Well, again, that's one of those things where it doesn't. I mean. There's a mention of talks in the agreement between interim, interim, Af, you know, at, or sorry, intra-Afghan talks. You know, something that the Taliban talks about that they're willing to do, um, but they never have recognized the legitimacy of the Afghan government or said anything in the agreement about you know having a legitimate sit down with the Afghan government. Um, you know, basically, there's nothing that says 
that they have to have real talks with the Afghan government. And I don't know how you'd measure that anyway, because they could put on a whole theater, a whole spectacle in Doha. They have at times done that. And of course, nobody believes that they're real talks, which is part of what Sullivan is, I think, correctly getting at here is that, you know, nothing that's happened so far appears to be real talks. But again, how do you measure that? The difference between fake and real talks, you know, that they're putting on fake talks because the Trump administration, this deal basically just wanted to check that box. They just wanted the appearance of some sort of talks and they could say, you know, you know, we, we accomplished that. And so, again, that's yeah. sort of, you know, they, there's nothing in the deal that says that they have to sit down for meaningful talks with the Afghan government. Yeah, people have taken the term intra. There's nothing in there that mentions the Taliban must negotiate with the Afghan government. And again, as you said, Tom, Taliban refuses to recognize the legitimacy of the Afghan government. So what um, intra-Afghan talks is, is that the Afghan government is one party of many. So it, it so basically the, the Taliban's position is we're one side and then the intra-Afghan side of which the Afghan government is just one part is the other. So it, it, the Taliban's negotiating position is strong. The Afghan government negotiating position is one part of many very weak. So again, that agreement says nothing. And, you know, okay, she wanted to look at a, what it could be a metric of, um, of uh, negotiations, let's just say. Well, I, I would say come to agreement on a ceasefire, right? That could be, we want negotiations that result. Taliban have said, Time and time again, we will not do a ceasefire. We don't recognize the Afghan government. So, so again, all the Taliban has to do here is conduct negotiations. It doesn't have to have these negotiations don't have to result in anything. The Taliban have to just sit. And Tom, you and I have said from the very beginning, the Taliban were going to use these negotiations um, just as appearances. Um, it would be the appearance of negotiation. They're going to run the clock out. The Taliban can legitimately say, hey, we're sitting down, we're talking. But what, this is January, today, February 1st, right? We're almost one year. There's not, they, you know, we, I used to joke that the Taliban and the Afghan government agreed to the, the, the size and composition of the table. Um, but I don't even think they've done that. They've agreed to talk about the, the size and the composition of the table. Um, they haven't come to anything. There's been nothing in these talks that have resulted in any, in any meaningful um, it's it's all it's show talks, and the Taliban are running out the clock using this. We predicted that they would do this. They're doing this currently. Um, I'm very confident in saying that these talks will go nowhere um, if they continue. It's just the Taliban, you know, fla you know, flaunting the fact that it has a political office in Afghanistan, that it's being recognized in, in Doha. Yeah, it has a political in, uh, office in Doha. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, in Doha. Yep, and that um, you know, look, it's it's delegation just traveled to Russia. Over the over the past week, I mean that's that's the legitimacy that the Taliban craves, and uh, yeah, these are they're going to go nowhere. This is it's just a big sham. Yeah, you know when you said uh, that they you joked that they had agreed on the size of the table, and now you're saying they just agreed to talk about the size of the table. I, I kind of came to mind. You remember in uh, the movie Office Space where they have the. Uh, marker board and the two bobs or consultants have planning to plan on it and they have a bunch of boxes that are all sort of you know interconnected and when you said that that's kind of flashed in my head was that planning to plan thing that's basically what this was right we're gonna talk about having talks without having any real talks you know sort of planning to plan talking to talk um, yeah the and, bobs know how to keep their job right they just keep keep this in keep it running Run out the clock on this. Which basically, exactly. you know, brings up a great question for Kalilazad. If you've listened to this podcast and you've seen our commercial testimony, see our writings, you listened to us previously or on the radio or wherever else we talked about this stuff, we've been very critical of Zalmay Kalilazad and his, his game here. I would actually say that this is a good place where that one line from Office Space applies to him, which is, what would you say that you do here? 
you know, <laughs> because he's been talking for a long time and didn't get anything accomplished really other than trying to, to sell us this idea that the Taliban were going to be good actors now or counterterrorism partners with respect to Al Qaeda, but we're going to get to that. Um, yeah, so Tom, you're, you're, you're the generous one today and I'm the not so generous one. I know the answer to that question. The answer to that is he's flacking for the Taliban. That's what Khalzid is doing here. He has been from the beginning. He knows that I know we're going to get into the Taliban al-Qaeda ties. Um, when I testified alongside him, he said that those ties run deep and were intractable. He knows all of that, and yet he's granted the Taliban the legitimacy they've craved for the past two decades. That's, his, that's been his job. It's, um, it's disgraceful. So um, two other things before we move on from the talking with the Afghan the talks to the Afghan government. One, um, we we mentioned the Islamic Emirate language in the agreement. Um, that's important for a couple of reasons. One, the Obama administration, of course, walked away from talks with the Taliban circa 2013 because, um, in part, the Taliban wouldn't get off of the Islamic Emirate language. They wouldn't stop referring themselves to Islamic Emirate. Why is that important? Because it means Taliban still is trying to to resurrect its political authoritarian regime in Afghanistan. That's not really a hopeful sign that you're going to have peace in Afghanistan or that they're going to reconcile with the Afghan government and they're going to have meaningful peace talks with the Afghan government and sort of come together in, in a, a unity government of, of some sort. Um, if they're still referring to themselves as Islamic Emirate, we've documented over and over again, they, there's no evidence that they've given up on their central political um, goal for this war, which is resurrecting Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. That's why that language is important. The agreement, it showed that the U.S. was going to enter an agreement with the Taliban, regardless of the Taliban's repeated stated political goals, which run contrary to the idea of peace to begin with. So this, the second thing about that is that we mentioned the legitimacy. Yeah, that's what they did. They used the talks in Doha to legitimize themselves. They had the first cabinet official in the history of the United States goes to meet with them um, in terms of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They open up new diplomatic channels to bolster their new Islamic Emirate, which they're hoping is going to return to power. So both in Russia and Iran and elsewhere, you know, you had those meetings in Iran that you saw um, over the past couple of weeks. Indonesia um, as well, Tom, they traveled to. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're building up the international legitimacy for, uh, for their Islamic Emirate. And in the middle of all that, you even had the previous president, Donald Trump. Now, look, you know, you could say he was right to be critical of the Afghan war. Fine. Um, but he wasn't right to want to have the Taliban come visit him at Camp David or vouch for the Taliban as our counterterrorism partner, which we're going to get to that last piece here in a second. But that's what he did, and that's what his representatives did. So, you know, that's that's very different from saying, hey, I want to have Afghanistan to, hey, I want to bring the Taliban to Camp David, even as they're releasing videos that sort of, you know, memorialize 9-11 and blame us for that attack, which is what they did in, in 2019. So, um, you know, this is all a mess. It's all a giant mess. Of course, it is. The, the politicians and the politicos don't, don't really know what they're talking about. It's, that's, that's basically a theme for our coverage over the last decade plus now in Afghanistan, unfortunately. And we laugh and we have jokes about it, but this is all dark subject matter. We're laughing because this is just it's just pathetic at this point. And um, it's sad because there are real lives on the line, there are real Afghan lives on the line. And I think before we move on to the al-Qaeda part, what I would say to Afghans is the Afghans are listening to this. You can't bank on any of this nonsense, right? I mean, this is all if you're if you're your your lives are now on the line in fighting this. If you want to preserve some sort of Afghanistan, Afghan government that is independent of the Taliban and fight on, you can't bank on any of this. Uh you can't you can't pretend that there's pieces at hand. It is not. Um, and the Taliban has used all this to bolster its own position at your expense. I think they I think that some people in the Afghan government know that. Now the Afghan government has all sorts of problems too, of course, and I'm not, you know, vouching for or resolving of the Afghan government of all of its problems. It has many, uh, and that's part of why the war has gone this way. 
Um, but if you look at all this, you can, this whole you see Afghan officials talk about the peace process. I think it's sort of absurd to talk about the peace process with the Taliban sending suicide bombers at Afghan security forces and you know launching raids and trying to take more territory. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tom, and, and on that point, you know, yeah, the Afghan government, yes, I mean, and people like this, people like to use this point um, to flack for the Taliban. But you know, look, one's one problem is a problem of corruption and problem of. Um, you know, failure to, uh, to to come together and fight the Taliban meaningfully. Um, and the other is a jihadist group that uh, wants to subjugate people, uh, put them on our horrible form of Sharia law. And we know what that looks like. It was called the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan circa uh, 1996 to 2001, uh, where women were, you know, buried to their head and beheaded in parks and whipped and beaten for merely for, uh, you know, uh, for you know, being doctors or, or for adultery and that stuff is still happening to these days in Taliban controlled areas. So, you know, you could pick your side on that one. Um, the other thing, Tom, I hope you don't mind me. Mentioning By the way, wait, when you say pick that side, I mean, bottom line is for all the problems that Ashraf Ghani faces and yes. has with his government. Do you want Ashraf Ghani running Afghanistan? Yeah. Habatul Akhanzada? Right. Yeah. right. Do you want it to chance to maybe right. work through corruption? Or by the way, it's, it doesn't have to be Ghani, Abdullah, or even Karzai. Yeah. Like, who do you want running Afghanistan? Or do you want Akhunzada? Right. And what basically the Taliban apologists are saying is they want Akhunzada. Right. It, it really is. And and you know you know your choice is either distasteful and discomfort, or frankly evil. Um. You know. And I, I pretty much know what side I come down on that one. Um. And Tom, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this. We have a, you know you mentioned the you know the dark humor that we've developed over time. Um, you know, there's, you know, I, I, two things come to mind and one of these you and I, and, uh, joke about, you know, I, I call Afghanistan the world's worst soap opera and I, and, you know, as a play on, as the world turns, I call it as Afghanistan burns. It's the 19th season. We're going into the, we're into the 20th season now, I believe. And each season is, as you know, it just gets getting worse and worse. And we just hope this season gets better, but frankly, we're just looking to move beyond these talks and, and see what the next chapter of Afga as Afghanistan burns. And, and the other thing is, is it's just it's Groundhog Day. It's like every year you get a new bad policy on Afghanistan. Just things get worse. And, you know, you just keep waking up, hitting that alarm clock and reliving, you know, as Afghanistan burns every day. Things just don't get better. And that's why we're we're tired. We're jaded. We don't want to talk about it. We're cynical, but we recognize that it's important. And, you know, so I don't want to tout. I don't I'm not one to, to toot our own horns here. But Tom and I have been right about this on Afghanistan, and that's part of our frustration. And people continue to push bad policy to, to keep telling us that the Taliban is going to break ties with Al Qaeda. The Taliban is going to destroy Al Qaeda, as Secretary Pompeo said. And we're just tired of hearing these things. We wish people would look at Afghanistan honestly look at the facts then develop meaningful policy instead of making the facts work the way you, you know to to or manufacturing facts to drive the policy you want so my, my i'll end that rant there yeah and i when i say you know when i say tired i'm tired of talking about it only because we've we've set our piece basically um you know i don't have any skin in the game other people do so i always make that point very clear you know there are plenty of lives on the line that's important um, when I say I'm tired of it, what I mean is I'm just tired of having the same tired old debates, the same tired old yeah. conversations, you know, and, and there really, there's not much of a market for the truth of the matter is there's not much of a market for what we do, which is being critical on the one hand, 
and honest about the Taliban and 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 exposing sort of Al Qaeda's role in all this and Al Qaeda's presence in Afghanistan, which there are quite a few people who try and downplay and try and dismiss. And on the other hand, saying, "Look, the U.S. military doesn't have a game plan; it's, it's win- a winner here either," and being critical. You know, I was looking back at some of our coverage. We were criticizing what the U.S. military was saying about Afghanistan more than a decade ago. Yeah, um, that's part of the reason why we're tired. Is uh, tired of is like you know, I mean, how many times do I got to say this? You know, it, 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 what they're saying is not accurate. It's not does not reflect the reality. And at some point, reality is going to catch up with all this. Um, I, I sense, you know, depending on what happens here in the coming months, that could happen this year. We'll see. Um, even more so than in the past. But let's get to the final oh, part. Tom, uh, just yeah. one one quick point. I mean, and you know, part of our cynicism develops. Tom and I were very critical in 2008, 9, 10 of the Afghan surge, right? Yeah, it was really 10, and 2010. 2010, right? yeah, yeah. When it started in 9, I mean, but yes. You know, more U.S. soldiers died during that period. And Tom and I said, this isn't going to work. Um, and more soldiers died during that period and were killed and wounded during that period of the so-called surge than the the rest of the war combined. And that's, you know, and we were right. And I wish I was wrong. I mean, believe me, folks, I, I can't tell you how many times I just wish I was wrong on these issues. Because if I was wrong on that issue, there wouldn't be, I believe, 2,000 soldiers were killed during that time period, if I recall. Um, you know, the, it, it, we're not just talking about, oh, it's U.S. policy. We're going to stay in Afghanistan. People's, people were killed and maimed and, and for, for life and wounded and, in ways and PTSD. And, you know, this stuff matters at the end of the day. These are Americans and there's Afghan thousands and tens of thousands of Afghans as well because of just horrible policy, refusal to recognize. I just, uh, that's of all these cynical thing you know, things that happen. That surge really gets me the most, and because we knew the plug was going to be pulled on it, and we knew what the Taliban were going to do during that time period and after that time period. Sadly, we were right, and um, and people, a lot of people, have paid the price for that. Not for us being right, but for our political and military leadership for being effective. Yeah, and so the the latest episode of. Uh being feckless really is this idea that the Taliban was going to break from Al-Qaeda. Now, the agreement, the only specific mention of Al-Qaeda is that the Taliban will prevent Al-Qaeda basically from using Afghan soil from plotting against America and its allies. Um, Then there are some provisions after that which are read as basically applying the Al-Qaeda that basically the Taliban won't allow anti-American terrorist groups or others to operate on Afghan soil, fundraise, train, that sort of thing. Although those passages don't specifically say Al Qaeda, you can read the agreement as applying to Al Qaeda. Um, but here's the bottom line: the Taliban, in some of the press coverage before the agreement was signed last February, we heard that the Taliban was going to renounce Al Qaeda. That didn't happen. There's been no renunciation. There's nothing in the agreement that says they're going to specifically renounce Al Qaeda in some sort of public statement. There was there is language saying that they're going to say that you know basically terrorists don't have a home in Afghanistan. That that is included in the in the agreement. But the Taliban hasn't said anything along those lines either. You know, hasn't hasn't come out and said that if you're threatening America or anybody else around the world, you don't have a home in Afghanistan. There's been nothing that can oh, really and, qualify as that. You know, in fact, Tom, the Taliban says that Al Qaeda isn't there. They left. Well, in yeah, let's get Let's get to that for a second. So yeah, the so they haven't actually done anything to eject Al Qaeda. Like, and after Secretary Pompeo said that the Taliban would actively destroy Al Qaeda, that they agreed to that. Right. Not that right. there's any agreement. That was some. Again, some right. backroom offhand comment by some Taliban lackey who just said things. Probably yeah, Pompeo actually said they would work alongside us, meaning yes. America, yes. to hunt down and destroy Al Qaeda. So, I mean, how could they do that if Al Qaeda doesn't exist in Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, they, this is our counterterrorism partner, folks. Yeah. The people that deny Al Qaeda's presence while the U.S. and Afghan military are killing senior Al Qaeda leaders. 
Yep. So then the U.S. goes on to conduct, continues after this agreement was signed and before the agreement was signed and after the agreement was signed, conducting raids against senior al-Qaeda personnel. Afghan forces are going after al-Qaeda personnel. You have official commentary from the Treasury Department, which we wrote up in the Long War Journal, United Nations and others. You have al-Qaeda actually releases through one of these al-Qaeda affiliated <laughs> media groups. It's summary of operations in Afghanistan, which is called Khorasan. <laughs> You know, and it's they're trumpeting their ongoing operations in Afghanistan. The Taliban is still playing the theater and pretending like Al Qaeda isn't there. Um, but the bottom line is that you have no evidence that the Taliban has taken any action against Al Qaeda, right? So that's number one. Let's let's break this down to the layers here for evaluating the three the, the parts of this agreement. There's no evidence that the Taliban has done anything against Al Qaeda, nothing. Two, there is evidence that Al Qaeda is still there. Significant evidence that Al Qaeda is still there because you have these raids from the U.S. and the Afghans, and you have what al-Qaeda itself is saying through affiliated media groups where we have the statistics that they put out for 2020, their year-end operations in the Khorasan, that sort of thing, and they're you know, sort of intimating that they are, in fact, still there and, and showing that they're conducting operations, although they do that on the sly. We'll talk about that some other time again. And then three, so you have you know, no evidence of the Taliban taking any actions against al-Qaeda. Evidence al-Qaeda is still there, of course. And then three, the Taliban just denies that al-Qaeda is there at all. So they just say, nope. Nothing to see here, folks. Al-Qaeda is not here and hasn't been here. Yeah. So, Tom, can I add something to number sure, two? Sure, So not only is Al-Qaeda operating in Afghanistan, but they're operating under the protection of the sure, Taliban because sure. these senior Al-Qaeda leaders that have been killed over the last year and a half were killed in areas controlled course, by the yes. Taliban and killed alongside Taliban leaders. So I just wanted to add, it's not just that Al-Qaeda is there and the Taliban's like could, could say, well, <laughs> they weren't in areas we control or they weren't. You know, they weren't working with us. They, I don't know how they got there. You know, yeah. just it adds another layer to that to this that, you know, shows yeah. what a farce all of this is. Definitely. So so now if you want to agree, if you want to evaluate the agreement between the U.S. and the Taliban, the report said this was going to take the Biden administration a few weeks, several weeks, not months, but weeks. Uh, we just did it in less than 30 minutes. We just walked you through it. Um, that's that's it, folks. That's the evaluation of the agreement from February 29th, 2020. Um, you can go into more details of the agreement. We're going to go on to that you know, here in a second. There's a couple other things to say about it. Um, but it doesn't take very long to evaluate. There's not much to it. you know. Um, I mean, obviously, they're trying to figure out what their policy is going to be, and they're going to use this evaluation of the agreement to sort of provide a window of opportunity to evaluate things and figure out what they want to do. Um, but in terms of this agreement, in terms of its meaning and what it's done, it's accomplished nothing. You know, We're here almost a year afterwards. hasn't brought peace to the Afghan people. It hasn't led to the ejection of al-Qaeda or the Taliban turning on al-Qaeda at this point. There's no evidence for that. We'll gladly report it if and when that ever happens. Hasn't happened. Um, even though we, and we said beforehand it wasn't going to happen, and it hasn't, you know. Yeah, Tom, uh, uh, we're uh, 11 months in. There's yeah. been exactly zero Taliban raids that were killed or captured al-Qaeda members. But, I mean, we could, we could point to numerous Afghan and U.S. raids where we've killed or captured senior mid-level and low-level al-Qaeda operatives inside Afghanistan. So just just yep. saying. Now, there's a couple other things about the agreement. One in particular that stands out to me that the Biden administration should know, which is that there is that language saying, you know, first of all, we know that the agreement says that the U.S. is going to withdraw by May 2021. They're well aware of that. Um, the Taliban hasn't done anything in return for that, obviously, because we just outlined everything that's happened. And the, and the Trump administration started withdrawing forces um, essentially for nothing. There was there was no give back to the Taliban, which is part gets back to our original point about all this, which was that if the U.S. is going to withdraw from Afghanistan, why go through this whole theater and this whole spectacle and whitewash the Taliban and pretend it's something it isn't 
when if you're just going to withdraw anyway, they're not going to do anything to earn that, then just withdraw. You don't need to pretend the Taliban is our actor. You could, the only part of all this that actually matters for America is to get the Taliban to stand down in its operations against Americans as America's withdrawing. That's all that really mattered. You know, and you didn't need to do all of this to pretend that that was the case. And there are there is some evidence that Taliban did attack American bases, by the way. There are some reports, even though that, that supposedly is in the secret annexes, that they're not going to attack the U.S. while the U.S. is heading out. But for the most part, you know, that, that part of the agreement has held. You know, they haven't killed any Americans since February 29th of 2020. That's great news, obviously, um, if you're jaded about all this and you don't want America to be there anymore. But you don't have to go through all the rest of this uh, to, to get that. You, know, you don't have to pretend the Taliban is a legitimate counterterrorism partner for the United States of America at this point to get them to stand down. There's all sorts of ways you could have done that. The other thing is, is that, um, again, operating in that framework where even if all the Biden administration wants to do is just get out at this point and wants to remove the remaining 2,500 troops from Afghanistan, there is a clause in the agreement. I think it's Section 1F. I'll have to check this and hopefully I didn't misstate that, but I think that's what it is. Um, that says something to the effect that basically the U.S. will not use or threaten military force against Afghanistan ever again. Yeah, well, Tom, it's, I'll read it to you. I have it in front. It's the is, is it one F? Is it one F? It is. You, it yeah. is it's a, you you yeah. have a fantastic memory. You know, I'm yeah. a big fan. It says <laughs> the United States and its allies will refrain from the threat or the use of force against the territorial integrity or political in- independence of Afghanistan or intervening in its domestic affairs. So the U.S. agreed. Basically, we leave, as Tom said, we leave. And we never come back. We never interfere in Afghan, uh, you know, in Afghanistan's affairs ever again. Wasn't well, that a little chestnut in there, huh? You know, I mean, again, you know, this is why people should have read this thing instead of just reporting on or reporting what other people are saying. Why don't you read the damn agreement instead of just repeating what Klozad or somebody in his office told you about it or one of the Taliban apologists that's involved in all this has to say about it. So here's the bottom line. What that means is that if you're interested, if you still think that America needs to protect itself from terrorists, okay? Not making a big claim here, not saying that we need to do some big military action, not saying we need nation build. Forget all that. I'm just saying if you think that maybe the U.S. at some point in time may have to protect itself or defend itself against terrorists emanating from Afghanistan at the point, even if the American troops have totally left Afghanistan, this agreement works against you. This agreement says that America has given up the right basically to self-defense. Um, well, what, what sense does that make? What purpose does that make um, without any kind of verification or enforcement mechanisms to change Afghanistan or change the Taliban or without any uh, sign or evidence that the Taliban is actually going to change its stripes? So when, when Bill and I say you have to get, the Biden administration should get out, of this, get out of this agreement, we've outlined the reasons why. No matter what the U.S. wants to do at this point, this agreement makes no sense. It doesn't actually help us do anything at this point. Um, you know, none of, none, of, none of what we were, what American people were sold about this or this process has come to fruition. None of it will come to fruition at this point. There's no reasonable expectation that this is going to lead to anything else. Um, and from the Biden administration's perspective, let's say that President Biden wants to leave 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I don't know that he will. I, I'm not going to, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not going to predict what he wants to do. But let's say he decides he wants to have 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Well, the problem, and this is, I'm going to let you lead this one, Bill, and explain this. The problem is, that the Taliban then takes the gloves off, right? And comes out the remaining force, both American and NATO forces are in Afghanistan, and is going to make the supposedly select counterterrorism mission, which is the second point I know you're going to hit on here, how you can't can't disentangle that from the insurgency. Um, But, you know, 
the Taliban's going to make that awfully difficult, um, you know, after after May 1st. And so you if you're going to keep American forces in, in Afghanistan post May 1st, you'd have to then pretend that you're going to somehow reopen the diplomacy or reopen the talks between America and the Taliban. I don't see that happening. But why don't you explain why you think that that's a problematic bill? I know you've, from the beginning you you hit on this. Yeah. And, and so the first issue, the second issue we mentioned, the disentangling the Taliban from Al Qaeda, as we mentioned, you know, you can't fight al-Qaeda in Afghanistan without fighting the Taliban. The two are inextricably linked at this point. It's The operations are integrated. And look, even that Treasury Department report that you just wrote up, Tom, was fantastic. You were the one that first pointed this out. And then within a week, everyone starts writing about it. Well, we all know where they, no one would have found that if you had not found that. And um, it's telling you the Taliban and al-Qaeda, the ties are deepening. Not that they needed to be any any deeper, that the, the Taliban are sheltering al-Qaeda. They're giving them safe haven. Al-Qaeda is helping the Taliban fundraise. Um, yeah, you know, the, Taliban, the Treasury Department report, just to put this in perspective for, pe- perspective for people, these are counterterrorism slash intelligence officials at the Treasury Department who are reporting to the Defense Department on what they're seeing in terms of Taliban, yes. al-Qaeda financing, and ISIS financing. And their conclusion is that the al-Qaeda is gaining strength under the Taliban's banner in Afghanistan. That's their conclusion. Not our conclusion. We, that's their conclusion, right? Yeah, it it happened to be our conclusion for years, sure. Tom. And but they, they independently up. have come to this. Yes. And then we yeah. saw the report and we wrote it up. And now the Taliban, this is how the, the reporting on this is so bad. Because what you saw when this was reported, as you mentioned, Bill, what happened is people then, some journalists then reported on the Treasury Department report and then just reported the Taliban's denial. Basically, the Taliban said yeah. these are just coming from warmongers who are trying to keep the war going. Right. Well, excuse me, uh, Treasury Department analysts are not the warmongers. Yeah, I, uh, you are, first of all, Mr. Taliban. You're the ones who are dispatching suicide bombers and going after Afghan forces. Second of all, certainly we're not the warmongers because we're reporting what the Treasury Department said. But yet the media just sort of... Um, repeated this denial from the Taliban, which is completely, you know, fictitious, erroneous, and is uh, really, it's. I think it's immoral to just take them at face value on that and then basically let them, you know, chastise other people at face value. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, at some point, somebody should say, well, wait a minute, you know, can you actually point to any actions you've taken against Al-Qaeda, Mr. Taliban? No. Okay, well, then you don't get, you don't get this, a say in this, you know. Uh, you don't, your denials are not not going not gonna to carry any weight. You know? Yeah, and, and the Taliban's denial in, in that, again, was, well, al-Qaeda's not even here, so how could this even be possible? So again, this is, you know, they're, they're as you, meant, you said, they're entangled. How are you going to conduct counterterrorism operations against just al-Qaeda if you assume that 2,500 or less tr- troops in Afghanistan are going to do the mission? Um, keep in mind that this al-Qaeda-Taliban relationship has only grown over the last decade and that was when, it, it, at certain times, U.S. had plus 100,000 troops, you know, 20,000 troops, uh, up until the Trump administration started withdrawing last year. And by the way, and, let me just interject and, one quick point there, because you're, you're right. So one of the things we said was that as long as America had significant forces in Afghanistan, you got to get this right. They never got it right. So right. I, I don't, we don't think they're going to get it right now. I don't think that they're going to understand what this relationship looks like. We, we outline, for example, very specific criteria. If you're going to sell us on the idea that Taliban is going to break with al-Qaeda and or renounce al-Qaeda, here's what that means. We spelled it out in an article for Politico in 2019. We spelled that out in our reporting and our analysis and on radio and media. We said, you know, listen, a lot of people are talking about this. They have a very abstract notion in their head about what the, the Taliban-al-Qaeda relationship looks like. Let's get into some specifics, some concrete details, right? And this is what you're going to have to tell us happened, you know? Uh, and I don't, I don't want to go through all that again, because you can go through previous episodes of the podcast uh, to go through all that. 
But the bottom line is none of that's happened. Not none of it, you know. And um, the thing is, is that people still talk about this as if it's like a legitimate issue, you know. Yeah, tell, uh, you know, the agreement, all it says is that, and, and I'm going to read it directly just because that's what I, you know, I think it's important. Um, the Taliban, which of course, the Islamic Emirate, which is, of course isn't recognized, blah, 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 will take the following steps to prevent any group or, or individual, including Al-Qaeda, from using the soil of Afghanistan to threaten the security of the United States and its allies. And then it just lists something meaningless things, provide power. Well, they're not going to let them train, they're not going to fundraise, right. that kind but of But they, they could stay there. Yeah, they but, just can't do things. Well, like the, the, pro the, pro the problem is, is that they didn't, you know, none of this was, none of this got granular. Right. So right. what they, what they mean was, OK, so ex explain what they're going to do about Al Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent specifically. You know, right. Al Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent specifically is fighting for the Islamic era of Afghanistan. So you're going to do what? You're going to take out its leaders. You can take out its operatives. You're going to jail them. You're going to have something concrete you're going to do um, as opposed to just saying, well, we're not going to let them fundraise or train. And the problem is that this weasel language, which is sort of generic, what it does is it allows them all sorts of outs. It allows them to say, well, no, they're not really here. Don't worry about it. You know, it, it, or nothing, you even know. if they are here and they're not, they're not doing anything against the West. We will assure you of that. Except the Taliban made the same claim prior to 9-11. And folks just go read the 9-11 Commission report on this. Um, and has made the claim ever since. Has and made, the, made claim the claim ever, ever since. since. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. so we couldn't trust them before 9-11, but we could trust them today because... Well, because we want to. Yeah, so and that's that's one of the big problems with the agreement is the lack of specificity in, in terms of, you know, okay, so, okay, now you have these generic languages, you're not going to allow them to fundraise, train, yada, yada, yada. Um, what happens when America catches them allowing Al-Qaeda to do those things, which they have been doing those things? What's the enforcement mechanism? You know, what's the verification mechanism for going through all that? Well, they're going to turn out. them over to the U.S. Right, none of that's spelled out. None of that's spelled out. No, they'll so, just prevent them. They'll make right. effort, they'll stop the, you know. What does that mean? Like, as you said, Tom, the lack of specificity in this, the, it's, this is just weasel language so that the U.S. can get a, an agreement to get the hell out of Afghanistan. Uh, you know, a lot of, look, we're critical of the Taliban of a lot of things, but when they call it a, an agreement to terminate occupation, I agree with the Taliban. They're actual, actually. Well, I agree with them. It's a it it withdrawal agreement. It's not really an yeah. occupation. I mean, 2,500 American troops and some NATO forces are occupying Afghanistan, you know? Uh, you know, that's that's sort of, and they're not, I think that they're, what they, in terms of meaning that there's a withdrawal agreement that's going to end the agreement. Yeah, that's, yeah what, that's what it was all about. But the, the, the other point there was that they, um, you know, that was the big the big lie that we exposed early on was that this basically Kolozad and Pompeo and State Department officials wanted to sell everybody on this idea that what happens in Afghanistan stays in Afghanistan. And I guess the last thing I would say about this is, um, look, I don't think I don't think it's a it's a it's a given. Sometimes when you have these conversations, people sound like, well, if the Taliban takes over Afghanistan, you're going to get another nine eleven. I don't think that's a given. You know, I mean, there's the America has all sorts of defenses, all sorts of ways of protecting itself. Um, I do think that the global jihad will rise, you know, if the Taliban does take over Afghanistan alongside Al-Qaeda, that you're going to have an increase in the probability of various threat streams. I think that's the way I would look at it. I don't think it's a guarantee you're going to have another 9-11. No, because, you know, people, one of the episodes we're going to do on this is I want to walk people through, um, you know, 9-11 itself, you know, Al-Qaeda to a certain degree got lucky, right? I mean, you know, there were a couple things that went their way that if it hadn't gone their way, you know, they wouldn't pull that off, you know? So, it's not as simple as saying, you know, look, if the Taliban wins, we're going to get a 9-11. By the same token, if the Taliban wins alongside al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, it does increase the jihadi threat. It does increase the 
global jihad. I think that, that's sort of something that will be a boon for the jihadi cause. It will give al-Qaeda then a victory message, which is a big deal. We saw what the victory message was for ISIS and how that galvanized tens of thousands of supporters. You get the same sort of dynamic only this time coming from al-Qaeda. Maybe it's less than what ISIS did. Maybe it's different. You know, whatever. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but there's some similarities there, you know. And the other thing is you and I know that part of what people are not gaming into all this is al-Qaeda has its tentacles all throughout these Pakistani groups and throughout these jihadi groups in Pakistan. And they've got all sorts of stuff that they're in the pipeline. Um, I mean, who knows what that, how that plays out. I mean, it's not, that's bad news too. You know, I think at that point you're going to, you're going to see, you know, an increase in activity there as well um, throughout, certainly throughout the Indian subcontinent, but probably elsewhere is what I would say. Um, So, you know, the bottom line is from all this is that there was no reason to pretend that what happens in Afghanistan stays in Afghanistan unless there was some significant evidence that the Taliban really was going to turn against al-Qaeda and al-Qaeda affiliated groups, the alphabet soup of groups that we've covered for years, Long War Journal, Pakistani groups, Afghan groups that are all entangled in this sort of axis of the Taliban al-Qaeda. And to date, 11 months later, more than 11 months later, we have no evidence that the Taliban has changed its stripes on any of this. And so why, why, why adhere to an agreement? That is prep, you know, it basically didn't bring peace to the Afghans and it didn't do anything to protect Americans or any of our allies anywhere. So, uh, what was the point of this? Yeah, exactly, Tom. And, you know, one more, one quick point, and I, I know I probably stated this, but I'll just be very specific about it. You know, again, if you think that 2,500 or less U.S. troops in Afghanistan are going to be able to effectively target Al Qaeda, again, you know, we've, We've had a very low, a low visibility on Al-Qaeda. We've, had, we've been able to kill some senior leaders. I can guarantee you for every senior Al-Qaeda leader that have been killed, and there's, what, been three senior ones that we killed in the last year and a half, um, there's several more that are definitely lurking out there in Afghanistan. At I least, no yeah. At least, At least yeah. yeah. I mean, the UN, report, the UN reporting identifies a number of uh, several, uh, several Al-Qaeda leaders at least who have been meeting with um, – you know, the Taliban officials, including throughout the talks with, with the U uh, with between the Taliban and the U S you know, I guess that's one, the one last thing I'd bring up here is that in both the treasury department report that I wrote up and in the UN reporting, there's this mention of the Connie standing up a new fighting force, um, with Al Qaeda inside Afghanistan. You know, the Connie's have a very, uh, predominant share of the Taliban coalition at this point, including Siraj is effectively the number two. You have, um, all sorts of Akani officials all throughout the Taliban hierarchy, shadow governors and the like. This agreement solved none of that, you know? Um, and so when, when to bring us back to what the new national security advisor, Jake Sullivan said, the Taliban would have to renounce ties to Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups. Uh, that speaks to the fundamental problem here. The Akani's, the Akani network is a designated terrorist organization. It controls a significant portion of the Taliban's operations, and um, some of the key Taliban leaders are, in fact, Taqanis. They are terrorists. Not only is the Taliban a terrorist organization, whether the whole thing is designated or not, a big part of it, a significant part of it, is a designated terrorist organization. That's what they do. That's what their business is, in particularly in Afghanistan. But the Taqanis, as we know, have um, sat at the sort of hub of this nexus of all these jihadi groups, including especially Al-Qaeda and incubated Al-Qaeda and, and done everything they could to harbor these international terrorists through the years. They're not going to change all that overnight. No, there's no evidence that they are. So when, you know, when any American says that the Taliban has to renounce Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups, this speaks to the fundamental misunderstanding of all this. The Akhani Network is a terrorist organization, both by designation and otherwise. It's closely allied with Al-Qaeda, and it sits right at the hub of all this. Yeah, Sarajakani is probably the 
most influential Taliban leader, I would say. Um, and, you know, definitely their warlord, uh, responsible a lot of for their military and political strategy, was key when the Taliban had a schism after Mullah Mansour was appointed, um, after it was disclosed that the Taliban hid Mullah Omar's death, Siraj Khani and his father's um, Jalaluddin, who's now dead, played a key role in, in getting all the Taliban groups back into the fold, except for one, which is really marginalized at this point in time. Um, you know, look, and you look at his designations. Here, here's what the FBI says about Siraj Kakani. Maintains, I'm quoting here, maintains close ties to the Taliban. Obviously, he is Taliban. And Al-Qaeda, he's a specially designated global terrorist. How do you, dis you know, so... How do you, if he maintains close ties to, to Al-Qaeda to this day, which he does, you know, as Tom stated, how, how do you square the circle? Siraj Khani would have to publicly come out and denounce Al-Qaeda. And folks, anyone listening to this, uh, especially those of you guys in the know, you know that's not going to happen. The Taliban can't even admit that Al-Qaeda is there, let alone get, get Siraj Khani to publicly denounce Al-Qaeda. That's what would have to happen for this to be meaningful. It's It ain't happening, folks, so you, you just put this one aside. Tom, are we going to mention the um, the uh, uh, Department of Defense position on Al on the Taliban and um, living up to its agreement here? Oh, go um, ahead. You can go for it if you want. I mean, you can yeah. cite the new uh, return spokesman. He was spokesman before, uh, you know, spokesman Kirby came out and said that um, – you know, that they basically are not living up to it, that they haven't renounced terrorism, they haven't renounced Al-Qaeda, you know. Um, yeah, lo and behold, after all, after an almost 11 months of us telling you that the Taliban weren't living up to this agreement and it wasn't going to happen, you have a change of administration. And then the Department of Defense, um, I'm sorry if I'm being impolite here, but finally gets a clue and goes, oh, after all these years, after all these months, we finally, you know, well, we killed some senior al-Qaeda leaders sheltered with the Taliban, but no one would come out and, and say it, that the Taliban wasn't living up to its agreement. And remember, they killed, they, the Department of Defense killed a press release that they, I know they had written because I, I spoke to individuals at um, U.S. Forces Afghanistan, who, uh, or I'm sorry, at the Department of Defense, who know that this press release was written up on, you know, the, Tom, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Why, why am I? Asim Omar. Asim Omar. Yep, September 2019, he was killed yeah. in a joint Afghan-American raid in, in Helmand province. Um, was it Helmand? The yeah, DOD Helmand. knew, yeah. yeah, exactly. They, he was, he, um, he had a, cur a courier, direct courier to Ayman al-Zawahiri. He was killed alongside Taliban commanders. He was under the protection yep. of a Taliban shadow governor. He was obviously, right. you know, he's obviously and, a Taliban guy. And the Department of Defense buries this press release because they want to pretend that the Taliban is going to live up to this agreement. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, now that there's a change of administration and there's some questions about policy, the DOD finally goes, oh, maybe the Taliban isn't living up to its agreements. And this is, again, you want to understand why Tom and I are cynical about all of this. It's, it's things like this that drive us crazy. We know it's, it's, it's happening. It's a, look, kudos to the DOD to, for, to finally come out and say it. I would argue it's, oh, I don't know, eight months too late. If you wanted to be charitable and give the Taliban a couple of months to see if they're going to live up to this agreement, I can understand being silent. If you want to put up one of the senior Al-Qaeda leaders killed as being, you know, maybe some... I always love this term, rogue Al Taliban commander who, you know, was going off the rails and not supporting Taliban policy. That's BS, as we all know. Um, but, you know, at this point in time, look, the, the DOD should have come to this conclusion 
I would say about six months. Well, what I, I would add to this before we wrap up here, what I would say is, you know, if you're familiar with how businesses negotiate, how real negotiators do transact, you know, come to terms on contracts and transact their business and, you know, the haggling that goes back and forth. The thing is that when the U.S. and Afghan forces find a CMR in a Taliban compound in Helmand, that's the type of thing that if you are really doing hard-nosed negotiations, you use against the Taliban. You say, look, we just found this guy in your turf. You know, we want you to turn over other guys, right? We want you to turn over other AQIS guys, other Al-Qaeda Indian subcontinent guys. We want you to turn over other Al-Qaeda leaders because we know, don't lie to us and tell us that they, they're not on your turf. We just found one, a big guy there. And of course, America found others since then as well. Um, but that's that's the point, right? When we when we when I criticize negotiations or these types of diplomacy, I'm using a I'm I'm comparing it to what I know of the business world from previous life and from how real um, you know hardball negotiators do business. This is the opposite of that, right? This was this was weak kneed servile diplomacy that didn't do anything. It didn't help America. It didn't help with Afghanistan. That's my criticism of it. It's not, you know, America needs strong diplomacy going forward. Absolutely. You know, there's, you know, the U.S. military is not, should not and cannot solve all of America's problems. Absolutely not. Um, and, and shouldn't be the first thing that we lean on in every given situation. Absolutely not. But this is a model of how not to do diplomacy, right? This is how a model of how not to actually conduct America's business around the world. It should be studied as such. I hope that eventually when there's some clarity on all this, not that there ever will be, but hopefully if there is some clarity on this someday in academia or elsewhere, again, I shouldn't even bring up academia. I get, we'll say elsewhere, <laughs> you know, that somebody will study this and say, here's how we shouldn't do diplomacy, right? This is this is a good example of how diplomacy should not be conducted, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. I mean, you know, and it, Asim Umar was just one. There were two other senior al-Qaeda yeah, sure. leaders killed after, and the U.S. military was sil- silent about these. Yeah. Um, you know, no, you know, they may have, uh, may have confirmed, particularly was, uh, was it Ruth? Oh, I'm drawing a blank on names today. The guy we killed was Al-Qaeda's They conf- uh, The U.S. did confirm Hassam, uh, Hassam Aruf, uh, yeah. you know, who was a big time Al-Qaeda figure. They confirmed he was killed, but they never yeah. discussed it in the context of the Taliban right. deal. Right, right. Exactly. They never said, right. oh, and by the way, this is evidence that the Taliban, they just right. said, oh yeah, we, they, we killed him. Right. But there was never any discussion. And, and they, as you said, you know, they weren't, it wasn't held, Taliban wasn't held to account for sheltering senior Al-Qaeda leaders. As you said, this is no way to to, to and that, that's the point, right? Is it is it you know maybe maybe something was said behind the scenes in Doha or elsewhere by the American side? You know who knows? I mean, it's possible. But my point is that if you're actually really trying to get you're trying to get a strong agreement and strong negotiations, this is the type of thing that you use and you just you shove it right in their face and you say, look, this is strong evidence you're not living up to what you said you're going to do in the Doha agreement. And instead, we get all this squirrely behavior, you know, by the American side and all this, which is part of the reason why this is all. You know why we don't think that this is going to be turned around anytime soon is and and and, and basically we don't really have any faith in the leadership on these issues. Yeah, and not only does the DOD try punt on that issue, the press um, punts on that issue as well. They never discuss the killing of Raouf or Simomar. You know, um, just offhand mentions. I think there were a couple offhand mentions in the press, but nothing that really it didn't really listen. This isn't. You can report on something by using basic logic, right? You know, that's my point. You don't have to have a source that says, you know, this obviously shows the Taliban isn't living up to their commitments. If he's killed in Taliban turf, which is what the sources said, and he's working with the Taliban, and he's a senior Al-Qaeda guy, one plus one equals two, the Taliban hasn't turned on Al-Qaeda, right? It's pretty easy, pretty easy job. You don't need to do a lot of, don't need to do a lot of uh, reporting on that to figure that out. Um, 
But, you know, that's where we are. I think that's it for me. I, listen, yeah, no, Tom, that's a perfect place. To the thing is, you know, look, folks, we could go on and on and on about this. You know, we've criticized this thing ad nauseum before in the past. We're just doing this now in the context of, you know, what the new National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said in terms of the Biden administration evaluating the deal. Um, I think it's pretty easy for them to evaluate the deal. The deal is is not worth the paper it was printed on, even at three and a third pages, as Bill emphasized. Uh, that paper is uh, worth more than what the deal is worth. That's not the question. The question is, does does President Biden want to risk the government in Kabul being basically toppled uh, during his first year or two in office um, by pulling out all American troops, which leads to withdrawal of all of NATO troops? Um, is that something he wants to wants to put up with and deal with uh, after the fact? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I would, you know, we'll find out what he wants to do. But I think that in terms of decision making, if I were in the Biden administration, what I would say is, look, folks, you know, these guys, they could be a little cantankerous at Long War Journal, uh, but they just evaluate the deal for you pretty quickly. Uh, there's nothing, there's no there there, you know, figure out what you want to do in terms of um, what defends America's interests and what you actually want to sell politically to the American people, what you think would be politically acceptable and base it on that. Don't base it on what's on this meaningless paper that came out of Delaware. Couldn't agree more, Tom. Amen. Well, uh, thank you to our audience again this week for listening to this week's episode of Generation Jihad. Uh, please do subscribe to the show. As a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. We've got stuff we're working on. we got new stuff coming out this year. We've got more guests. You know, Tune in. You know, Give us the five-star review if you can on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. Um, and we will see you again, hopefully, next week. <laughs>